Hey, good news! We've added the Tech on Tap podcast to Google Play, so if you want to listen there, look us up. This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we recap the highlights from NetApp Insight 2019 with the NetApp A-Team. I also walked the show floor to speak with our booth staff, as well as hosting the first official podcast open mic session with the Active IQ team. One, two, three. Data Fabric! Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. I love NetApp because it's so funny. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. First, I had a chance to speak with the awesome Allison Levine about climbing Mount Everest. Allison was the keynote speaker at the Women in Technology Breakfast. So uh, Allison just gave a talk at the Women in Technology Breakfast here. Uh, So Allison, uh, tell us a little bit more about what you talked about here. Uh, I talked about leadership lessons from the first American Women's Everest Expedition and how those help you climb your own mountains in business and in life. So what advice would you give to somebody trying to climb a mountain, either you know, physical or metaphysical? First of all, realize that fear is just a normal human emotion, and fear is only dangerous when it paralyzes you. So don't ever beat yourself up for feeling scared or intimidated, but complacency is really what puts you at risk. So you have to be able to you know, act and react quickly when you're in these environments that are constantly shifting and changing. So fear is fine. You can realize that you can be... You can be scared and brave at the same time. Next, I was able to book an hour of the new podcast booth on the show floor to hold the first podcast open mic session ever at NetUp Insight. The Active IQ team took me up on the offer. I am here in a booth. It's a podcast booth, and we're at NetUp Insight 2019 in Las Vegas. And uh, what I did was I set up an open mic time for the podcast so that anyone who wanted to be on a podcast that had never been on before could come in and speak to us about whatever they want to talk about. So the people that took me up on that are from the Active IQ team. We have Anita Jindal and Sahana Sandeep with us. Uh, so, Anita, what do you do at NetApp and how do we reach you? Hi. Justin, I'm the Director of Engineering for Active IQ. I love technology and I work with my engineers behind the scenes working on Active IQ. So you are a director of engineering? Yes. So do you have like a director's chair? And like no. one of those little clappy things? No, actually I work very much with my team. Very oh, okay. <laughs> okay, good. All right, so Sahana, um, what do you do in that? Hey, Justin. I'm a product manager for ActiveIQ. So we are a team of 13 product managers, and I manage one of the portions of ActiveIQ. Okay. How do I reach you? Uh, just email me or text me. You don't have Twitter? I have. Sahana underscore Sandeep. Okay. And yeah. do you have Twitter? Yes. It's at Anita Jindal 12. All right. What's, what's the one, too? It was random. Did when you... I set up my, I was new to social media, I set up uh, my Twitter okay. account and gave me a one. So, Anita, uh, Active IQ, what's new uh, in Active IQ here at Insight? What are you guys talking about and you know, what's important to you? Active IQ is actually an AI apps platform for our customers. And when we talk, look at the digital transformation for our customers, we have done a lot of innovation in Active IQ using hybrid cloud technologies. And we wanted to share that story with our customers here on how they can be building, starting their AI journey with ActiveIQ using hybrid cloud. 
And at the same time, the services that we build as part of Active IQ, it can provide them insights into their own environment, which they can consume and automate their workflows and optimize their data centers. So, what are you what are you doing in terms of automation? Like, how is Active IQ fitting into this automation idea? Like, how are you doing that? Uh, the the way Active IQ is fitting into this automation is. We in introduced APIs, Active IQ APIs, where a lot of the insights that we were providing through our desktop and mobile applications, now we are providing the APIs for our customers. They, are, they should be able to use these APIs and consume the insights from these APIs for automating their workflows. For example, they can write scripts or they wanted to write programs. They should be able to do that to automate uh, the operations using these insights. So basically, you've enabled customers to automate their operations through APIs. Are these RESTful APIs? These are RESTful APIs. And wh when did you introduce these RESTful APIs? These have been there uh, since uh, March of this year. So we're looking at 9.6, six, right? Yeah. Yep. No, actually, this is in Active IQ. Okay. Uh, so in Active IQ uh, desktop, when you go, you will see an API services. So if you click on that, you should be able to get the API services from Active IQ. Okay, so this is separate from ONTAP. So ONTAP 9.6 introduced a REST APIs as well, so you can yeah. also leverage those. Yes, and this is separate from ONTAP APIs. Okay. Um, and are you leveraging any deep learning or machine learning or AI within Active IQ today to help customers enable their, their workflows and figure out problems faster? Uh, yes. Actually, uh, the reason we moved to cloud is uh, because we wanted to leverage the machine learning algorithms from the cloud. And that's where, as cloud is innovating at a very fast rate, uh, we are using uh, the machine learning algorithms from, from the cloud. And some of the examples that I can give you where we have used machine learning is, in Active IQ we have a module called Risk Advisor, uh, which tells customers on how they can avoid, avoid disruptions in their environment based on um, uh, taking care of certain risks. And that's where we have used the machine learning algorithms for telling customers that if they upgrade it to a certain version of ONTAP, they can avoid disruptions in their environment. This is based on the collective community wisdom of what other customers have done and uh, have been able to avoid disruptions. So we are using the collective wisdom uh, based on the data we have from the other customers in ActiveIQ and providing meaningful insights for our customers. And this data is gathered from ActiveIQ itself, or is it also mining like support organization cases or or, or that sort of thing? How, how is it gathering that information? Uh, so there are uh, multiple ways. Uh, so the one that the example I gave you for Risk Advisor, it was based on the autosport data which comes in. We also have a functionality within ActiveIQ where we use machine learning heavily, uh, where it talks about which particular um, risks within ActiveIQ could lead to a case. And that's where we use the case data for providing predictions on which particular risks in an uh, in the customer environment would more likely lead to a case. So do you have any like uh, percentage of confidence level that, that gets displayed with these alerts? Like, you know, I, we have an 80% confidence that this is your problem, or is that something that maybe is going to come in the future, or is that just something that you haven't approached yet? Uh, right now, uh, we do have the, the risk, the confidence with which we give these predictions, especially this is called the case prediction. If we go into the risk 
brisk table for uh, active IQ, you will see a confidence factor indicated with the case prediction column. That's good, because I wouldn't want to upgrade ONTAP if there's only like a 20% chance it's going to fix my problem, right? So as a customer, I'd be like hesitant to do that. Maybe I'd do more exploration. So let's say we, we hit a confidence level that's not high enough to make the action that is recommended. What would, be, what would be my next steps as a customer? So uh, if, if the confidence level is not high enough, um, and it's in the computer science itself, that you don't want to uh, then take that particular step, then you want to do a little bit more homework. And that's where we have an upgrade advisor module. Uh, where, uh, uh, so when we were talking about the upgrades to a new version of OnTap, so based on certain confidence, we know that uh, you can upgrade to a particular version of OnTap. But if, if the confidence is low, but then you can go to the upgrade advisor module to see if you go from this particular version uh, to the next version, what are the different steps you can take for upgrading your contact system. So what if the confidence level leads me to not want to upgrade at all? Like how would I approach the problem from there? It is actually very much dependent on the customer. What we, we usually recommend is that uh, customers, uh, when, whenever we have a new version of the OS, there is uh, there are a lot of features, but also a lot of functionality and bug fixes which come in as part of a, uh, of a new operating system. So it's uh, there might be certain areas or certain issues which are fixed in the newer version. Uh, so it's uh, if if customers uh, can upgrade to a later version, uh, it's recommended. But we do understand that people have to go through the planning cycle and. It's a long upgrade cycle uh, for customers. Can we kick off the upgrades from ActiveIQ or do we need to leverage something like System Manager or CLI? Right now, we don't have an automated way of kicking off the upgrade process from ActiveIQ. What we do is we usually give an upgrade plan uh, which which customers use for planning uh, their upgrades. And a lot of customers want to keep control of upgrading their systems themselves. Yeah, I can, I can imagine that. Um, and, you know, if you're using the cloud, though, it's basically done in the background for you anyway, so you don't have to worry about the upgrades and the services and that type of stuff. Um, anything else you want to add about ActiveIQ? Uh, what I want to add about ActiveIQ is um, it's a great platform for customers to digitally transform their operations. It provides a lot of insights, which are already provided to customers through the ActiveIQ platform. And I would highly recommend customers take a look at ActiveIQ. Does it cost me anything to look at ActiveIQ? If you are a support certified uh, customer, if you have a support contract and a single sign-on with NetApp, you should be able to get your ActiveIQ. Cool. So it's basically free if I've already got the support contract. Yeah. So it's, a, it's included with the support contract. Excellent. Uh, so, Sahana. What are you working on with ActiveIQ and why is it important? Yeah, so as of now, I'm working on the next next version of ActiveIQ 2.0 and that's the story we are telling to the customers right now, even here at Insight. Right? So ActiveIQ is now, we provide self-monitoring and self-healing capability for your infrastructure. And the story behind this is um, we, are, we want to digitally transform the customer experience by providing the user the next best action or something like a digital assistant. Um, having said that, the 2.0 version that's coming out probably next year, it's more uh, action-based approach. Or um, We are providing them with a wellness score, and basically the users can monitor how they're doing across configuration, availability, protection, and various other parameters. And so will, will it give it a, will be a new look to it, and the 
interface is going to be a lot different? Is it going to be something off? No, it's, we have changed uh, a lot in terms of user experience. So it's, it's more of uh, action-driven, action-based approach. So yeah, you'll see a lot of change in the UI UX front. So tell me more about action-based. What does that mean? So you have like new capabilities, like you can view ActiveIQ, you can view predictive risks within Cloud Insights. And what we're doing is, um, in the current version of ActiveIQ, we can say, hey, look, you have like 250 risks in your dashboard. But now what we're doing is, these are five risks under protection, and these are like six risks under configuration. You can actually drill down and take actions, maybe a software configuration change or a hardware configuration change. Users can actually take actions and improve their overall wellness score. So, do I have to enter the Active IQ interface to get these wellness scores, or can I have something that basically tells me via email or via like syslog alert or something like that? So, for now, it's you have to log into the custom dashboard, but we also have the option where the users can subscribe and they can get a daily digest in the form of a periodic digest. That's great, because I mean, a lot of their management will probably will see that digest, yeah. so they can basically add it to a DL mm-hmm. and that. Right. Theoretically. You never know. Uh, anything else you want to add about the ActiveIQ 2.0? We'll still stick to the core capabilities. I mean, uh, visibility into health, troubleshooting, and optimizing the resource. So these are our core capabilities of ActiveIQ, and they're not going to change. Um, predictive analytics is, again, the main important factor. So you can expose the risk factors and prevent problems and still go ahead with the same story. So if, if I'm a field uh, like an SEA or a salesperson, what would you suggest to them to get customers interested in using ActiveIQ and, and making it a selling point for Alltap itself? Yeah, we have uh, something called a planning widget. Uh, we have not named that yet, but that's essentially is very important for a salesperson. Right? It'll also give them a snapshot of how many systems are due for renewal or even something like a budget forecasting. This is how you need to plan your systems or upgrade the versions. That's good for customers that already have it, but what about customers that have never heard of OnTap or never have used ActiveIQ? How are you enabling the field to show customers this stuff and say, hey, this is really cool, you should take a look at this, this is selling there is a There is a new initiative which is coming up with respect to the support edge premium and support edge Expert. Sport edge expert. Sport. And one of the things that we are doing is um, we are tying the value of Active IQ with respect to predictive analytics uh, with support edge premium and support edge expert so that the customers can get more value out of it. And uh, that is the new model uh, which NetApp uh, uh, is moving towards. And uh, we, are, we are working very closely with the team on seeing uh, how we can provide the value of Active IQ to our customers and how it can tie and tear into those models of support edge premium and support edge expert. Okay. Um, so if I want to find more information about ActiveIQ, do you have a place I can go for that? It's um, activeiq.netapp.com. There is a feedback alias. Um, you can uh, uh, send your questions there. And uh, we also have a ActiveIQ feedback DR. So, so. Yeah, it's NT. ActiveIQFeedback.com. Okay, is that is, so? Uh, ActiveIQFeedback at Netapp.com. Yeah. Yeah. Is that um? Is that an external DL or is that something that's only internal? And that's internal. Okay. Okay. Cool. So, uh, anything else you want to add about ActiveIQ before we go? 
I would say active IQ, low active IQ. I would also say that. <laughs> All right, thanks, Anita and Sana. Thank, Thank you, Justin. Justin. Then we did our annual recap of the event with the NetUp A-Team. Hi, this is Justin Parisi at NetUp Insight 2019. We are in a conference room at the end of the conference overlooking a beautiful rooftop in Las Vegas. Uh, so we brought a lot of the NetUp A-Team in here as well as some NetUp representatives to talk about their experiences at NetUp Insight 2019 as a recap First in line here, last in line is going to be John. Uh, Jason Benedicic, uh, what do you do? How do we reach you? Hi, Jason Benedicic, independent consultant from the UK, covering cloud and DevOps. And you can find me on the Twitters at J.A. Benedicic. All right, next, Scotty Gelb. Hi, Scott, what do you do? How do we reach you? Hey, Justin, Scott Gelb, uh, solutions architect with Enterprise Vision Technologies out of Los Angeles, California. And you can find me on Twitter at Scotty Gelb. All right, and next, Mike Pellick. Hey, Mike Pallick, Senior Storage Engineer at Meridian IT. Uh, you can reach me on the Twitters as well, uh, at, at Spindle Ninja. All right. Uh, Donnie Lang. Hey, I'm Donnie Lang. I'm a Senior Systems Admin at Plexus Corporation in Nina. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Donnie Lang and the number one. No, so is there another Donnie Lang? Yes, and uh, it's, it's a big thing. Uh, he hasn't tweeted since 2012, and I DM'd him once uh, like trying to get him to give up his Twitter name, and he just ignored me. So, well, he probably doesn't use it. You know, you know what you got to do now. You got to Highlander him. Right. There can be only one. <laughs> uh, Stringy. I'm Paul Stringflow. I'm a uh, technical director at a data management consultancy in the UK called Gardner Systems. Uh, you can find me all over the internet as Tech Stringy, and of course, I'm a competitive podcast host. Uh, Podcast.techstringy.com. Very competitive. Extremely. Mark. Hi, I'm Mark Halton from Arrow. Uh, I'm a solutions architect in IoT and Edge. Um, you can get me on Twitter at mcarlton1983. All right, next up, Kim Weller. Hi, I'm Kim Weller. I'm a solutions engineering director at NetApp, and you can find me at Weller underscore Kim on Twitter. So, Kim, did you realize you are now connected to the Wi-Fi? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you're also very, your, your laptop has no podcast stickers. I have to fix that. We're going to have to, I mean, you don't have to put them on there. I'm not going to make you do that. All right, Trey Davis. Trey Davis, Senior Solutions Architect with Sovereign Systems out of Atlanta. You can find me on Twitter at ntap underscore seal. All right, Ryan Beatty, hi. How's it going? Ryan from Red 8, uh, Solutions Architect for, obviously, Red 8, uh, specialized in infrastructure and cloud. Do you have a Twitter? Yeah, Ryan on tap. All right. Uh, Rory. Hello there, Justin. How are we doing? Good. So who are you? What do you do? I'm Rory McBride uh, from Arrow in the UK. I am the next generation data center practice lead. All right. And what's your uh, Twitter handle? McBride underscore Rory. And you have atrocious fashion sense. <laughs> <laughs> did you dress in the dark, man? I did, actually. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Chris Mackey. Hi, Justin. It's Chris Mackey from Scale Decisions in Vancouver, Canada, where I am a senior solutions architect. You can reach me at Chris Mackey on Twitter. So Chris has come a long way. It's taken us a few years, but we finally get his name right on the first try. I always get it right. It's you guys, guys that don't. So you don't say you guys. It was the other guys. I always got it right. All right, uh, Atanas. Hi, you came into the room. So Atanas, who are you? What do you do? How do we reach you? Well, you know who I am. I'm the one who's going to ruin this podcast. And you can Already starting. Continue. <laughs> and you can always find me at Press Blah Blah. Press Blah Blah. And what do you do? I do uh, NetApp and coffee and all that. Uh, 
Jesus, where do you work, man? Oh, that one. Okay, I work for GTT as uh, some, well, some sort of architect. He's a very literal gentleman. So Jason, oh, I'm just kidding, John Woodall. Hi, John. John, what do you do? How do we reach you? Uh, it's John Woodall, VP of Engineering at Integrated Archive Systems, and you can reach me at Twitter, uh, at John underscore Woodall. All right, and John is very dapper. So John is like the anti-Rory. That's hard to say. <laughs> it is. All right, so he's got a nice suit on. Rory's got... Can get HR, please? Yeah. Do you have any of I am harassing you. I just got the email. Sensitivity training. I know. So, uh, Jason, um, NetApp Insight 2019 is over. What stood out to you? So this year, you've tried a new format. You've uh, cut down on some of the sessions and, and brought in these new mega sessions. And I've been really impressed. I was a little bit skeptical, um, but you've really delivered. So they were larger rooms, uh, an hour's long content, more interactive, better with the audience, and uh, they covered some really key messaging. Um, I think just a conference of those in its own would work. So these mega sessions, were they bigger than regular sessions? Yeah. Yeah, hence the name. They weren't kind of like minor sessions. I mean, they weren't as big as flex groups. It wasn't as big as Sharknado either. But. Well, I mean, nothing's big. What, what do you want? <laughs> well, you have to be more specific. Uh, were they bigger in time or bigger in audience? Because, you know, they were always one hour. All right, thanks. <laughs> take a lot of editing. <laughs> no, we're going to keep all this in. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is great. Uh, good content. Keep it up. Uh, Scotty Gelb, what stood out to you? Well, since you said flex group, I'm looking forward to being able to NDMP a 20 petabyte volume. That's going to be exciting. <laughs> so to be fair, you, you wouldn't necessarily NDMP the entire thing. You would do it at a granular level, maybe a directory you need. You wouldn't, I mean, don't do that to yourself. So this uh, conference was really about NetApp U for me and uh, the new hybrid cloud certification. Uh, a bunch of us here have been involved in the exams, but we have uh, three new hybrid cloud exams. And we ran a session on Monday called Are You Certifiable? And we went through a whole session uh, talking about and teaching everyone how the exams are written. And so they know what goes on behind the scenes and the investment NetApp makes in the program. So what was some of the feedback you got from that? Was it like... You know, people were interested, or you know, was it just like, oh, cool? And it was interesting. So, one person asked us a question that um, she is a bad test taker, and she was afraid to take the exam. So, the first thing we said was that, uh, hey, the exams are free here, so why not try it? And by the way, here's how we write the test to make it fair: we do double queuing. So, if it's pick two, we say pick two, and we say that at the beginning and the end of the question. That way, you don't have to guess and. Uh, the other thing we do is we have the incorrect answers or distractors. We make sure they're valid answers. So if I say there's four cities, Los Angeles, uh, Las Vegas, Reno, and Bob, we can't say Bob's a, a, a wrong answer. It has to be something valid. Um, so it makes it a, mu a much more fair test. Cool. All right. Excellent. Anything else you want to add? No, it was just a great session. Uh, we had Brandy moderate, and uh, four of us from the A-team were on there. Um, we had Damien, Steve Botkin, and uh, Paula Silva on the panel with me. Sounds like a good panel there. All right, uh, Mike, get off your phone. Uh, Mike! Was, there, there is a city named Bob. That's what I was saying. Is there? Oh! 
I stand corrected. So, this is great. This is why we love the internet. Settling disputes across the world. So, Mike. That's awesome. Anyway, what stood out to you? Uh, for me, what stood out at Insight this year was the announcement of the, the ASA, the uh, symmetrical SAN uh, that NetApp is deploying. It's kind of a different take as opposed to you know what unified everything's been for the last you know x amount of years um i just look forward to seeing you know which customers are interested in it and where it ends up going in the 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 netapp hardware portfolio so there's been a little bit of confusion about you know why is netapp releasing this new portfolio product um what does it mean to me where do you think it's going so to start, you know, NetApp is not getting away from NAS. They're still going to have SIFs. They're still going to have NFS. Um, Darn right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, we'd be surprised to you if uh, they were getting rid of it, huh? <laughs> yeah, that would be news to me. <laughs> um, but I, I, I kind of see it targeted to people that think that, you know, NetApp can't do SAN or companies that have been always, you know, saying we need the big block SANs or the real SANs, you know, the... Um, I see it as not, or maybe not, a existing NetApp customer purchasing it, unless they have a use case for you know type of symmetrical SAM product. But maybe somebody who has been you know trying to break out of that long term. I always have to go with the big three letters because that you know that's all we've all we've ever done. All right, Donnie. So I had my session on solving uh, infrastructure uh, testing challenges with Pester. That was pretty cool. However, the real standout for me was uh, being part of the Learning Ambassador Program that NetApp University did this year. Uh, So they took um, a handful of people, uh, myself included, and made full-scale foam core cutouts of them and coupled it together with video recordings of people talking about their learning journey. Um, So when you held up your phone running an app, it would uh, superimpose the video over the stand-up's face. Uh, It was really, really cool to get a chance to, to take part in that. Did it hurt when they flattened you? No, it was relatively painless. It's good. It's good. Yeah, were, yeah they were like life-size Donnie's. There wasn't really a life-size Mark. It was more like three-quarter size Mark. It wasn't, it wasn't to scale. Um, yeah, absolutely. Anything else you want to add? Nope, that was it, I think. All right. Stringy. Hey, Justin. Um, a couple of things stood out for me. I think um, I, I continue to be very impressed by the cloud business unit um, and their rate of innovation, uh, rate of solution delivery that they're bringing. Um, and I think the other thing that really stood out was this kind of focus on uh, data. So the idea that to look at data as your kind of primary design goal uh, as opposed to infrastructure. Um, and that I thought tied in really nicely with, um, I, I met with some of the guys who, from the cloud compliance team, which is a new NetApp service that's going to be uh, included inside a cloud volume service and Azure NetApp files for doing true data governance and data security um, and delivering insight straight into those platforms without you needing to buy anything else. It's just kind of turned on as a, as a feature. And I think that's, that's going to be, uh, that's a real powerful solution. Awesome. Anything else you want to add? No, I think I'm done for now. Good. No, don't want to plug your podcast again? Podcast.techstringy.com. No, I'll leave that to Oh, that's good. Don't, yeah, we wouldn't want to do that. Mark. Uh, three quarters Mark isn't here, so we get full size Mark. Uh, Mark. Uh, so, yeah, for me, the uh, again, ran a session. Um, I ran it with the A-Team guys. Um, we did a panel session on modern data platforms. 
it was successful. So we had lots of lots of guys turn up to it, and uh, we had some questions, which was really really good to to, to get a, a crowd that are interested in understanding what's driving that modern data platform today, and the feedback from uh, from the the, the attendees. Um, it highlighted uh, some areas where the, the, the businesses are starting to look into new conversations and trying to get away from that technical conversation and move more towards how they can start to uh, have conversations more around the operations or the, the business side uh, to be able to then deliver the technologies to meet that. So from the, from the A team, I ran, uh, we ran this with uh, Chris Mackey, Mike Palick, Becky Elliott, and Paul Springfeller. Excellent. And we could probably find that after the event on the portal, right? You can, yes. You should be able to find it. It's uh, 30092. And it's Ask the A team building a modern data platform. All right. Now, I'm going to warn everybody right now that we're going to get to Kim here. And the people that have gone already have been good, but they're not Kim. I mean, <laughs> so. And you guys, after Kim, I'm sorry. You've got to follow Kim. So just, you know, yeah. So, Kim, yeah. what did you want to talk about with so Insight? I, my favorite part of Insight is hearing how our customers implement our technology. And so in particular right now, I love listening to how they're evolving their IT organizations and bringing orchestration and automation. And, of course, everybody in this room knows that we're doing things with Ansible and with Trident, and we have WFA and lots of, lots of those things. But what, uh, one of the things that really stood out for me was a gentleman from a large auto manufacturer who was talking about those pieces but also talking about how they're changing the organization. So internally, they're using language from cloud providers. So they have availability zones and regions that they're building on their on-prem first, and they're doing videos to teach the people in their organization, and then when they actually bring in the public cloud, it's just part of their natural language. So I thought that was really interesting. So it's basically like a, a cloud-like starter set. Yeah, but you know, I think what's more interesting is people that have been working with us for a long time, how they're evolving in their roles to deliver services to their customers, and they're changing, just like we're changing. All right, excellent. Thank you, Kim. Uh, Trey. Voice. So, uh, so yeah, it's very sexy. Um, continue. <laughs> so for me, I was talking with like Mike earlier about um, hardware is still a thing for me, right? So we talk about all these cloud data services, all these intricacies of the cloud, and there's still a very large footprint of customers that feel maybe feel abandoned, is end up getting away from physical storage, things of that nature. So it's really nice to see how they continue to evolve um, their their physical platforms with the whole cloud connected message and take advantage of the cloud services. So I. I love my toys. I love my hardware. So it's always nice to see stuff about that. So uh, before I go to the next uh, person, can you give me, give me one? I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Batman. <laughs> that was kind of weak, whatever. It was kind of weak. All right, Ryan. Hi. So, uh, yeah, I've been spending probably better half of 12 months doing a lot of cloud stuff with NetApp. So I do like storage. Uh, but I've been focusing more on cloud, uh, CBO, CVS, ANF, those types of things. The other thing would be Kubernetes. Uh, so apparently every time I say that word, I have to drink a beer or something because everyone says I do. Uh, but Kubernetes is up and coming. It's new. I think people are still trying to figure out what they're going to do with it. I think the, the conversations need to happen uh, with the, the people who manage the, the applications and the data. Uh, I don't think those conversations are happening currently. But I think when people understand what NetApp has for their NKS, um, how they can white label it, how partners can also get paid on this stuff, I think it's going to start taking off in about a year or so. So I think it's pretty cool stuff. So I noticed you said you used to work in storage. Now you work in cloud stuff like ANF. And yeah, tell me what you find to be the differentiation there. Because I mean, you're still storing stuff, but like, what's the difference? 
between A and F and CVS? Or? Well, no, you said I used to, I, I worked in storage, now I work in cloud. And so what's the difference there? Uh, it's, it's, it's the biggest part is about portability. Uh, I, can, I can have the same infrastructure configuration, if you will, set up in AWS, Azure, on-prem, robo-offices. It doesn't really matter. I can pretty much have that same architectural layout all over the globe. So uh, what, what sort of thing would I use to, to move that data around? Cloud sync. Uh, <laughs> what, are you setting me up? What, what, what methodology would I use? One, two, three. Data fabric! All right. That's going to be awful. <laughs> Anything else you want to add, Ryan? I'm Batman. <laughs> yes. Way better than Trey. You don't even have a cold. All right, uh, Bozo, I mean Rory. <clears throat> I'm sorry. That's the guy wandering around looking like, where's Wally? Dude, I, no, I was. I was. I absolutely was. But the difference is, mine was a shtick. Yours is a persona. Yes. I want people to find me at Insight Central. That's true. They do find you. So, uh, so Rory, what was your takeaway? Um, yeah, as I said, uh, I was spending quite a bit of time in around Insight Central. Um, it was a uh, very interesting uh, layout this year. Um, I got lost a couple of times trying to get around it because it all started looking the same. But um, it was good to see that uh, NatApp's portfolio has expanded so that there have three separate zones uh, for the three business areas. And uh, there's a lot of technical content in there for people that were, were walking around. Plenty of demos to get involved in. Um, and the other nice thing was the uh, sponsors that were here as well. Uh, I'm just going to shamelessly plug Arrow at a stand there. I've heard of them. Yes, we do, we do stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Arrow, we do stuff. <laughs> Five years out. So, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, the, uh, there was a couple of musicians in there as well. Oh, was there a pony ride? If only, you know. <laughs> but the best thing was these massage chairs. I don't know if you tried those. I did not. I, 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 I tried. I tried working. A, I tried to have a nap this afternoon, but people kept coming past me and waking me. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, no, it was it was good, and um, it's always a highlight uh, of spending time in there and networking with people during Insight. So I know I've been giving you a hard time about your wardrobe here, but what I want to know is, does that hurt? That sock is really tight. <laughs> God, that's horrible. <laughs> How do you still have a leg? I do see it. It's, it's awful. Um, Chris. Hi. Okay, good. John. No. <laughs> Chris, what was your takeaway from Insight? Oh, there's a few things. There's always the, uh, the on-tap improvements, and there's some new hardware around uh, the mid-range and both flash and, uh, and spinning. But then there's also the new uh, all-flash storage grid, which is uh, pretty interesting. We'll see some performance improvements there in the object world. But then the Keystone announcement, I thought, was uh, pretty interesting, especially around the consumption models, three different consumption models. But I think my favorite thing was the new ActiveIQ and the demo I saw of that today. And that's fantastic the way it's going to tie into your on-prem unified manager and the artificial intelligence they put in to fix things. That's uh, that's going to go a long way. Yeah, we spoke with some of the ActiveIQ members, team members here on the podcast as well in the booth. So we're going to have some of that here as well. Uh, so, Chris, uh, what sort of ONTAP updates were uh, interesting to you? Uh, if you go to blog.iops.ca, you can see all the details of the new ONTAP release. All right. We'll, we'll point people there so that they can see that. All right. Um, we're skipping over John again. Yeah. I'm still mad at him. Yeah, yeah, I'm still mad at him. I'm still mad at him. Yeah. Atanis, automation, since you like to talk about automation. Uh, what automation lessons have you learned here at Insight? Well, first, the NKS service uh, that is now available on-premise. Yes. 
Yes, correct. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's a good for someone who's already embraced using Kubernetes or someone who's just trying the waters. So you can have it everywhere in any cloud, test it. You can even try it, and then if you don't like it, guess what? It's still going to work, probably. <laughs> then oh, so. Definitely. Okay, okay. Then uh, no, one, no one mentioned the new, what's it called, Fabric Orchestrator? I've heard of this. Tell me more. Yeah, well, it seems that it turns your legacy on top system into something that cloud people are used to by adding labels mostly. But in general, it allows you to orchestrate all your environment. But it's going to be on-premises. Is it right? Yes. Good. What, so what? Oh, in any cloud, they, you, they're all treated equally. And you can manage them as easily as you manage all your other cloud stuff. Turns your on-premises on top into a cloud application or infra, whatever. Yeah. So what's uh, what's funny is uh, every every now and then I like to come up with slogans for products and you know nobody ever uses them because they're awful, but Fabric Orchestrator could be your symphony of data. Yeah, yeah, Ooh. yeah. No. Boo. Oh, so Trident apparently has DR capabilities now. Oh, what, what sort of DR capabilities? DR capabilities. Yeah. So tell me how it works. <laughs> I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> he doesn't have the details. <laughs> I'm guessing it probably helps you kick off a snap mirror is what it probably does. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Wow. It's always snap mirror when you're talking DR. But you could have just said that. <laughs> Not everyone knows everything at times. Well, li listening to everyone else in this room, uh, I realize that I missed a lot in this, at this insight. But probably too late now. It is too late. <laughs> you don't have a time machine. So, uh, John Woodall, um, you were a part of one of the mega sessions. Yes. And so tell us what your takeaway from Insight was. Yeah, uh, the mega session was with Scotty Miller, technology fellow from DreamWorks, um, Jeff Baxter, uh, technical evangelist for NetApp, and Yonsei Stephenson, who is CTO and VP of cloud at NetApp. And we talked about how customers can build their data fabric. And that really keyed off of Kate Swanborg's keynote, where she really introduced the concept to the entire conference that Every customer has a data fabric already in place, whether they recognize it or not. And I think what NetApp allows a customer to do is to, to lay on top of that, you know, this broad uh, and deep set of products and ecosystem partners to help customers stitch together their data fabric to drive their outcomes and uh, to accelerate their businesses. Our mega session was more in the how did DreamWorks build their four layers as they envisioned it. And then we saw a demonstration of Fabric Orchestrator, which was amazing. I kind of likened it to uh, coding by Visio, just kind of dragging and dropping on a screen between drop, um, not knowing a line of code, not knowing which of the four or five different APIs you had to deal with, and just very simply and quickly being able to deploy infrastructure as code. thought it was a very powerful session. Yeah. And I'd like to add uh, kudos to him for actually doing a live demo rather than running a canned yeah. video. Yeah, the live demo, yeah, and, we, and the demo guide showed up. There were some errors, so it was a real deal thing. Um, it was good. I don't know what you're talking about. All of our demos are live. Isn't that right, Cam Weller? Yes. At some point. <laughs> at, at some point, Camtasia. All right, anything else you want to add, John? No, this was one of the best insights I've been to. I've been, this is my 15th, so, um, yeah, Long before it was Insight, it was something else. Converge. So, Converge, uh, SE Roundup. Was it like, uh, what was the other one? Fall, fall Classic. Fall, fall Classic, classic. Spring yeah. Training. Spring Training, yeah. Oh, so, 
yeah, you know, just it, it's great to see NetApp reinvent itself continually as the market has continued to change over time, and just more of the same. It's a tough market, but I, NetApp is incredibly well positioned. All right. Anything else? Anyone else wants to add before we head out? Yeah. Beer. All right. On three, beer. <laughs> Up to three. All right. All right. So yeah, that's it. That's a wrap. NetApp Insight 2019. Finally, I roam the show floor looking for unsuspecting booth staff to tell me all about the conversations they were having at NetApp Insight 2019. I'm here at NetApp Insight 2019 in Las Vegas, and the show is winding down, and I like to walk around and talk to people at the booths. And we will start off with uh, Mr. Ontap Skip Shapiro. Hi. Hi, Justin. How's your week been? Busy. How about yours? Equally busy. Lots All of right. customer and partner conversations. Excellent. So uh, so what have you been talking to people about here at the booth? So I've talked about uh, Flex Group and Scale Out NAS. A lot of interest in the AllSan array. Uh, a lot of excitement around the uh, new user interface with uh, ONTAP System Manager and with uh, ActiveIQ Unified Manager. A lot of excitement about how easy we've made clusters to manage. So you were doing the uh, What's New in ONTAP session this year. Uh, so how did those go? Uh, they went very well. Um, you know, people were excited about what's in in the new releases. Uh, I think eager to get moving, particularly the manageability, uh, simplicity aspects. Um, and I said, the, uh, I was a little bit surprised at how much interest there is in the All Santa Ray. So it seems to be broader than I anticipated. So with uh, with the ONTAP session, ha- having so much content to use, how do you get that down to an hour? Well, I hit the highlights, and then uh, I tell people up front that I'm hitting the highlights and I'm going to point them at the end of the session to where they can learn more um, and it seemed to work. You know, p- people get it. Yeah, I did the unstructured NAS session this year and uh, I found out in my first session that I had too much content because I ran out of time. So that was my, that was my first time doing that. So that was interesting. It wasn't too bad. Scores are okay. So I've yeah. had that in previous years where I've, I'm always packaging uh, seven pounds into a five-pound bag. <laughs> but this year it wasn't a, such a problem. Yeah, usually I'll, I'll, I'll do that and I'll be able to speed through it. But I, I did it. I went too far this year. Okay, well... You know, you live and you learn. Yeah, actually, the next day I did a same session, and I, I cut some things out. That's cool. All right, anything else you want to add, Skip? No, um, just uh, you've had a good uh, insight, I hope, and all the people. The A-team seems to have had a great uh, insight. I've had good conversations with uh, several A-team members, so we did it again. All right, excellent. Thanks a lot, Skip. Thanks, Justin. Move on to uh, other parts. Oh, there's Matt Trudewind. Hi, Matt. It's John. Hi, John. Hi, so, Matt, um, what have you been talking about the booths? Security. All right, thanks. No, just kidding. Uh, so, what specifically about security have you been talking about? Uh, you know, Justin, just our normal stuff, uh, data at rest encryption, encryption in flight, uh, encrypt all the things, multi-factor authentication, snap lock, all that good stuff. And live demos on how to recover from ransomware. Right, so you did a live demo. It was, it was some sort of competition yeah, it was the mega session, and so uh, there were four competitors. Uh, myself was one of them, obviously. And uh, at the end, they voted on the best presentation. And, uh, yeah, I didn't win. <laughs> I was going to say, because you were going up against some heavy hitters there. So who ended up winning? Uh, it was actually Aki for the new uh, fabric orchestrator utility that he has there. It was pretty awesome, actually impressive. There was also ActiveIQ uh, demo there, a lot of update, upgrades coming with ActiveIQ, or updates, rather. And uh, the other demo was around Kubernetes and a continuous integration, continuous delivery deployment by uh, Chris Mertz. Were you uh, last place, or did you place at all? Luckily, they didn't show us what the votes are. So all I know is, well, anyway, it doesn't matter, Justin. If you don't win, you're last. 
It's true. <laughs> and I mean, honestly, you're not going to beat Data Thor, Aki, right? So I mean, it's just not it's not going to happen. So uh, what's new for security in ONTAP 9.7 this year? So we got a couple things, uh, 9.7. We've got encryption by default. So if you have a key manager already configured external or onboard, automatically your uh, NetApp volume encryption aggregate encryption for brand new volumes and aggregates will be encrypted. And also for 9.7, we've got uh, ActiveIQ Unified Manager has a security dashboard in it. It's pretty cool. You can manage all of your entire, um, all of your NetApp clusters from a single pane of glass. You can tell if they're meeting certain security compliances or not, as well as how many of your volumes are encrypted or not. Excellent. Anything else you want to add? Find me on the Twitters at Intep Matt. Excellent. All right, Matt, thanks. I'm going to walk around and find some other people here. Who is this guy over here? See, so we got Jeff Prem. I know that guy. And uh, Matt, Pe- Matt Peppers. Yeah, that's me. Mike Peppers. So, uh, Jeff, have you been working the booth today? Uh, no, I'm just stopping by to talk to Mike. Okay. So, Jeff, what do you do at NetApp? I'm the chief architect for ONTAP. Excellent. So, uh, what have you been doing here at Insight? Meeting with customers mostly, um, some bloggers and other folks, but mostly customer meetings. Okay, what's uh, some of the takeaways you got out of that? I think that we're innovating like crazy, and the customers are excited about it. Good. And uh, Mike, I noticed that we have a all Santa Ray. Um, So there's been a little bit of consternation about what this is and what it does. So can you help clarify for me why do I need an all Santa Ray, or why would I want this? The reason that you need an all-sand array, not just want an all-sand array, is this is because you want to attack tier one opportunities that require that you have continuous access to data. That is what you're getting with the all-sand array, is this is that we advertise all paths as active paths to your data. That means you always have active paths. So more specifically, why would I need an all-sand array instead of just an on-tap cluster? Why can't I do it inside of an on-tap cluster? It depends on what it is that you're trying to do. If you're trying to solve and require that you have continuous access to data, that is your primary concern, because you're a tier one, then you might look at an all-sand array to solve that problem. If, on the other hand, you want to have unified protocols, perhaps want to have 12 nodes, there's lots of goodness that you can get with a unified array. It depends on what problem you're trying to solve. This is solving tier, tier one. If that is your problem, then that is something you should be looking at. If that is not a primary consideration, then you probably want to look at Unified first. So what if I want to solve Tier 1 SAN but also do NFS in the same platform? Why can't I do that? Because by removing NAS protocol, so NFS and SIFs as well as features that you're going to get from NAS, we're able to reduce the amount of time it takes to actually fail over physically from one controller to another because there's whole areas that we don't have to look at if we know that there are no NAS protocols available. And so that shrinks the amount of time it takes to actually perform the process of transitioning uh, storage. So basically it's a, the, the play here is fast fail over time, tier one SAN, having a workload that is dedicated SAN. So it's, it's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all solution here, right? No, it is a specialty solution for a specialty problem. The other thing that you get with this is is you get the simplicity. Many of our customers do not want to have everything on one one cluster. They want to have their NAS over here, their SAN over here, their Tier 1 SAN over here, maybe even by, uh, you know, uh, application. And so that is the the problem that you're trying to solve with this. So it all comes down to what is the problem you're trying to solve, and then you can determine what tool is best to do that with. So what would be some advice you'd give to somebody trying to sell this as a partner or a reseller 
when they're used to selling natural, unified, on tap? Well, my advice is pretty much the same advice I'm going to give to anybody trying to sell anything in storage, and that is just talk to your customer, find out what their challenges are, what problems are they trying to solve. And then once you have that information, you can pick which of our solutions is probably going to work best in their environment. Cool. So, Mike, if we wanted to reach you on Twitter, could we do that? You absolutely could. Antep FLI guy. Jeff, do you do Twitter? He's shaking his head. No, I already knew the answer to that before I asked. He doesn't look like a Twitter guy. So, all right. Thanks, guys. I'm going to go walk around some more. Appreciate it. All right. What else is going on here? Oh, Scott Bell. Scott Bell's over here with some hardware. Hey, hey. So, Scott, uh, tell me about what you're doing over here at the booth. So here at the local hardware petting zoo, we are showcasing the latest product offering, the AFF A400, as well as the FAS 8300 and 8700. All right, so what's new about this stuff? So the 8300 and the A400 are basically the same system, but with one key difference. Obviously, the AFF will not come with the flash cache module, but it also comes with this extra adapter in slot 3, which is a cluster network adapter, which frees up the onboard 100 gig ports for NVMe storage expansion. But the special thing about this card is that it also has a hardware offload engine to offload calculations for compression, decompression, and uh, checksum calculations, which are utilized by DDU. Cool. So um, I don't look at hardware a lot, but I've noticed we have USB ports now, and it looks like a console port that's also a USB. So uh, have those always been there? How long have they been there? Those have been around since uh, the introduction of the AFF-A series, and those are live. You are correct. We have a standard UART console port in addition to a USB-type micro-B, which runs at a whopping baud rate of 115.2 as opposed to 9600 from days of old. But this also USB-type-A port will also give you the ability to netboot from it, install uh, on tap from it, and restore on tap from it. Can we also do, like, security keys with this? Absolutely. You sure can. Excellent. Anything else that you uh, have noticed when people have been coming by? The greatest reaction is uh, to the cluster interconnect adapter because of the hardware offload engine, but also they really like the fact that you can order this as a mezzanine with either four 16-gig fiber channel SFP Plus ports or four 25-gig Ethernet, which are SFP 28 ports. And if that mezzanine should happen to burn out, it is field serviceable in itself. You can pop it right off, pop it on without having to replace the whole motherboard. Cool. More modular, easier access. A little modularity is a good thing. That's right. So Scott Kovacs is also standing here looking. He's gazing lovingly at these hardware pieces. Uh, Scott, uh, what do you do at NetApp, and, and how's your insight been? I'm a technical marketing engineer for FlexPod, and I've uh, been pulling booth duty over in the uh, FlexPod area and uh, showing off the max data uh, FlexPod validation we did and um, a bunch of other solutions like Fabricool on FlexPod. And uh, it's been great. Just came out of a great session that Carl Connor did on uh, uh, VVols. So if you haven't had a chance to, if you didn't get a chance to go, I encourage you to look it up uh, and see the recorded session. But everything's been going great. Cool. So at the booth, uh, what have people been excited about with the Max Data FlexPod? Uh, I've just been excited about uh, you know the, the next generation of using um, Optane memory and uh, accelerating their applications to uh, you know lightning speed with with Max Data and and uh, uh, different workloads they have uh, and accelerating them. Do you have any demos going for that? Uh, we did not. No, we didn't have. Um, we just had uh, some information on a, on a PowerPoint slide deck that we're rotating through, but. Uh, they were able to talk to customers live, and uh, Chris Kebhardt had some really good sessions on that, too. 
So you basically were just telling people that it was so fast you didn't even need a demo. You can't even see it it's that fast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, cool. So I'm going to walk around some more. Appreciate it, Scott. Appreciate it, Scott. Thank you very much. Thank Scott, you. Scott. Scott's. Great Scott's. Hi. All right. More walking here. Let's go over to data protection because who doesn't need to protect their data? Hi, data protection. Hello. Hello. We have Wait, names, you know. Your no, you're just data protection to me. Okay. You're a monolith. DP1, DP2. You're a monolith. So DP1, what's your name? Cheryl George. I'm a TME for Snap Motor Synchronous. Can we reach you on social media at all? Uh, no. Good. Uh, <laughs> DP2, who else we have? Oh, that's me. Uh, Charlotte Brooks, technical marketing engineer for NDAS. Social media at Charlotte B. Why didn't you do Lottie? We, we've talked about this. I forget. We did. We did. Um, I'll think about it. Okay. Uh, and DP3. It's not in order of preference, really. It's just... It is. It, okay, it is. Uh, who, Manaj. Hi. Yeah. I'm Manoj, uh, product manager for Snap Center, NetApp Data Broker. Okay. No All right. Oh, no social media? All right. Okay. So, Cheryl, um, what have you been working on lately, and how has your insight been? So I work on SnapMirror Synchronous. We have an upcoming release of 9.7 happening with fun stuff um, happening with protocol support that we're introducing and other features as well. I think protocol support is fun. So specifically, what protocol support are we adding? NVMe protocol is what we're introducing. We're also having uh, application-created snapshots that we can replicate and also have the ability to perform a LUN clone from those snapshots. So that's what's coming in the 9.7 release. Cool, and we added SIFs and NFS v4 in 9.6, right? Yes. Anything else that you've, uh, you want to talk about with SnapMirror Synchronous or that's it? So people at Insight um, have come by and talked to you about this. What have they been excited about with SnapMirror Synchronous? Just understanding how it works, how the technology is splitting to enable RPO0 requirements. So that's where the excitement is about. Okay, and if you could give me a brief... Uh, of when you would use SnapMirror Synchronous versus Metro Cluster? If your requirement is uh, granularity, so if you want to be able to replicate just specific volumes, then Sync is your solution, while Metro Cluster is at the cluster level and your, all the volumes on that cluster gets replicated. Plus, you have the flexibility with respect to hardware that you use, and it doesn't need to be symmetric storage on the source and destination if you're using synchronous replication. So, uh, follow-up question, can I use both? And B, would I want to use both? If you're rich, sure, because there's a hardware requirement attached to Metro Cluster, whereas with uh, SnapMirror Synchronous, if you have an EFF for a fast system, you can just leverage that. Um, and with the 9.6 release, it's also included as part of the premium bundle, so you can just get started right away. All right, excellent. Uh, Charlotte, you're Endaz. Uh, what's new with Endaz? So, uh, well, what we've um, been promoting at the show is the availability of storage grid as an object store. So when we talked last year at Insight, uh, our choices were an Amazon S3 object store. And then everybody said, what about an on-premises object store? So just to, to backtrack, NDAS is hybrid cloud object storage data protection. So now we have both a public cloud and a private cloud option for where you put your snapshots. Uh, the other thing that we've t- been talking now about is that we're like literally days away from having our activation level uh, plug-in to allow you to access the data directly out of the bucket and run cloud-based analytics services 
on that data. So it's not just a data protection, data restore solution, but what else can I do with that data once it's gotten to the cloud? And so with these messages, everybody's pretty excited about their lives. Like, hey, yeah, let me let me get started now. I've got I've got these additional options and capabilities. So what sort of use cases would be wanting to do cloud analytics with that data set? Yeah, well, you know, it, it, um, the customers know their data best. But when I've been talking to a lot of customers here, the ones that are kind of really resonating with this initially is uh, universities. I mean, universities have many, many different research projects. Uh, you know, it could, be, it could be physics projects or it could be medical projects. I just talked to a gentleman where they're doing um, outcomes for neonatal or fetal health or oncology trends in terms of cancer treatment. And, you know, I'm sitting here in awe listening to this gentleman and on a personal level I'm saying hey you know thank you for curing cancer and all this but obviously this data and the ability to go back to longer periods of time and get those trends find out what's effective I mean this is going to make real difference to people's lives so cool anything else you want to add about NDAS or actually it's not like NetApp data availability Net services availability in case you don't know what the acronym is so anything else you want to add uh, it's available you can sign up for a free trial at our website uh, which we can insert later into this uh, podcast I'm sure so yeah it's a, it's a great time now to take a look at uh, object storage cloud backup all right excellent and last but not least Manaj, um, what have you been doing here at the booth I'm covering the helping the customer to understand the value proposition of the enterprise application data management uh, basically, we lead with the Snap Center for that product, uh, which enables the customer to make use of all the data management capabilities when they are running databases or the applications like Exchange or the VMware. So they can take the create the clone copies in seconds rather than taking in hours. They can do the primary protection and recovery faster. So Snap Center is uh, is what's new in Snap Center for this release. So, uh, in last compared to last insight and this insight, the overall Snap Center we focused heavily on simplifying the product. Uh, to begin with, you can install the Snap Center in four clicks, and we have simplified the way you will gonna add the applications. You protect it. So, as a, apart from the simplification, we have also invested a lot in improving the Ana compatibility. Uh, now we have a very large Ana install base. You can do end-to-end recovery. So, to that point. Um, we are the number one in the industry to offer snapshot-based protection for ANA multi-database container multi-tenant. So ANA, SAP introduced those uh, snapshot-based uh, capabilities, snapshot-based protection capabilities just uh, six months back. We are the first vendor to pick it up and do the integration. All right, cool. So uh, what applications does SnapCenter currently support today? So SnapCenter supports uh, all the standard databases, SQL, Oracle, HANA, DB2, MySQL, MongoDB, Postgres, as well as it supports Exchange and the virtualization platform VMware. So this is kind of like the replacement for stuff like uh, Snap Manager for, for virtual infrastructure, that sort of thing. It's the one-stop shop for all that, right? Exactly. Consolidate all the different Snap Manager, and it provides a better performance, better scale, ease of management, and automated deployments as well. All right, excellent. Uh, anything else you want to add, Manash? Uh, it's pretty exciting. This uh, year we got to meet a lot of customers who are excited, who have seen like how they have automated their entire data center using the tools like Snap Center. So. All right, excellent. Well, thanks so much, Manash, Cheryl, and Charlotte laughed. She was like, I'm done. All right, I'll be walking around. See ya. All right, let's go to these guys. VMware Solutions. Who uses VMware? Nobody. Nobody uses VMware. No, Everybody... You know where it's at is KVM. KVM and Hyper-V. Oh, that's Hyper-V. KVM. No, Citrix Zen. 
<laughs> in the house. In the house. So, uh, got Stephen Cortez and Carl Connor. So, uh, Stephen, what do you do and how do we reach you? What do I do? I am the technical marketing engineer for the uh, on. What do I do? Snap setup plugin for VMware. Holy crap, you don't even know what you do. Go ahead. I do too many things. <laughs> do too many things. Uh, I can be reached at on Twitter by uh, MSC Productions. And Carl Connorth, uh, what do you do? Actually, I have a new role. I'm now a product manager for vSphere with ONTAP, so focusing on both capabilities in ONTAP as well as our tools, the virtual appliance. And I am on Twitter at at SignConnerth, K-O-N-N-E-R-T-H. So uh, as a PM, you do have a little more say into what goes into the roadmap, though. So that's good. So if you ever want to find out what if you ever want to find out what's on the roadmap, or if you want to you know get Carl to put things on the roadmap, yeah, contact good. Carl for the virtualization piece. So Carl, um, what have you been doing here at Insight? Oh, the usual best practices. So I had some really packed sessions on VCR best practices, uh, and also VVOLs. I have a number of customers talk about how SAP is a big enterprise customer using VVOLs and how they've been very successful, um, and then a number of new customers looking at how they could use VVOLs in their environment. Cool. And Stephen, what have you been doing? So I had a couple of good sessions this week. Uh, we talked about an overall strategy on how to use uh, NetApp, NetApp Portfolio to, data, uh, to protect your, um, your VMware environment. That went very well. And then I had a, a really big session yesterday with uh, talking about the, what's new in Snapshot Plugin for VMware Fort 2. Excellent. So uh, what is new? What is new? Uh, a couple of things are new. The first thing that's new is that it's a Linux appliance. So no longer do you need to uh, run it on, on a Windows box. We'll be saving you a license there. The Because it's just a, a Linux box, microarchitecture had to be created to make that happen. So that allows us to install other products in, in, in the future to enable future future things like NDAS in, in, in coming, coming up for VMware. And uh, Cluster Lift support is supported. And what else we got there? Uh, oh, standalone mode. So if you only want to back up VMware, your VMware environment, and you don't require your applica- any kind of application support, once you deploy the OVA, you're done. Cool. And uh, Carl, you do best practices. Give me your top two best practices. Use the Virtual Storage Console for your provisioning. It does your host settings. It does uh, ONTAP provisioning with best practices. Uh, second one... Should I create a data lift for every volume in my environment? No, no. single lift for uh, for your uh, uh, per node for NFS. But I used to do that. Do I do that anymore? Yeah, I don't, we used I don't to need recommend it. that. That was for a very special use case, not needed anymore. Single lift per uh, NFS node. All right, there we go. We'll use that as our there second best go. practice. All right. All right. Appreciate it, guys. I'm gonna okay. keep walking around. Thank you, sir. Peace out. All right, let's walk around some more here. Let's see. Uh, let's go over to some of the partners. Oh, wait, no, we got Trident over here. Containers? I've heard of those. Hi. I've heard of a container. I have two. It's those big things on the ships where you put things in them, right? Well, di- digital containers, unlike the containers on the ship, you can also manage with Ansible. So. But every presentation I've ever seen with containers has those on them. They do. And it's because it's something that people can understand. One ship... Lots of containers. All right, all right. Lots of applications. I'm kidding. Uh, so right, who's talking right now is David Blackwell. So, David, what do you do at NetApp? How do I reach you? I am the technical marketing engineer and subject matter expert for Ansible at NetApp. And I actually do have a Twitter. It is at BlackwellDavidC. All right. And also in the booth, Laurent Nicholas. Is that, did I say that right or is it just like Nor- Laurent Nicholas? Yeah, that works. Okay, cool. Uh, I want, yeah, I'm not going to try it again. So, Laurent, what do you do here at NetApp? Yeah, so I work in engineering and I support our uh, engineering development teams doing DevOps, Ansible, 
an everything built. Yeah. Laurent is our lead Ansible module developer. Okay, so he knows things. He knows good. more than like four things. As you can tell, I don't know anything. So, uh, David, what have you presented here at uh, Insight, and what have people been saying? So I presented uh, two sessions, uh, visualizing uh, DevOps workflow from Ansible Tower and um, NetApp and Ansible embracing infrastructure as code. Uh, and people have been saying around our Ansible environment that they're really excited by how much we offer. They're really excited by how fast it can make things go and how we were able to make the demos really useful to them and, and referenceable for them. And a lot of people have told me they're very excited to head back to their office and set up their own Ansible playbook environment with their NetApp systems. Cool. You should create an Ansible module that sets up the Ansible playbook for them. We actually have an Ansible playbook that sets up some Ansible environments, so we kind of do that. All right, excellent. Uh, so, Laurent, what have you done here at Insight uh, as far as presenting goes? Yeah, so so I work on Ansible, but I led that to David. So we have a solution that we call DevOps at scale. And the idea is to replicate what we do inside the NetApp for ONTAP. So we have an old solution based off Perl and things like this. But clearly the key value is using FlexClone to, to very quickly duplicate the development environment. And we work on using Kubernetes and Trident to offer a similar solution in, uh, in the cloud or uh, on-prem. And the key, the key element for us is really that we can uh, create uh, clones and snapshots, uh, but Trident is abstracting the storage for us. So we can do it on ONTAP, but we can do it on SolidFire as well, or we can do it on CVS. Excellent. So um, if you had one piece of advice to give to people that wanted to get into enabling DevOps for their environment, what would that be? Just start with a simple pipeline and then improve it. All right. And David, your advice? Start at the bottom and work the way up. If you look at a project from the top down, you're going to stress yourself out. Find the last step in what you're trying to automate. Make that one automated, then add the second to last step, and so on and so on. It'll make it a lot easier to understand what your environment is, what your restrictions are, and keep you from burning yourself out on panic. Excellent. Sounds like you've rehearsed that and said that before. Once or twice. Once or twice. All right. I appreciate it, guys. I'm going to keep walking around. All right. That was our containers and DevOps people. So, got Red Hat Private Cloud on NetApp HCI. Hi. Yes, hi. Good. Glad to hear it. Hi, I'm Justin. So, what is this booth doing, and what have people been saying? This booth is all about OpenStack on NetApp HCI with the option of OpenShift. Um, people have been more interested in the OpenShift aspect of this, I would say. Uh, we're here with Alan Cowles. Yeah, I know Alan. Yeah, Alan helped write the NVA. He was here supporting us most of the week. He gave a breakout session as well over there in the uh, Pavilion Theater. Alan's my first baseman on our softball team. Is he good? Sometimes. He told me he was the coach for his kids' t-ball team, and he uh, had to ditch on that this week. So, Oh, that's too bad. He's he's, that he sounds like he's disappointed. <laughs> so uh, this HCI thing, mm -hmm. what are people using it for? Like, I know it's been out a while, so what are people actually deploying it as? Uh, I think mostly the use cases we're seeing at this point is VDI. Um, that booth over there was a pretty big hit. Uh, VMware over here. We've got the NKS booth over there. Um, the typical story that we keep pushing down is the quality of service, mixed workloads, etc. Are any customers looking at this as a solution to build their own clouds, like their own private clouds? or? Yes, they are, and I think the interest is building. Uh, there was a lot of interest in that this week. Um, I think people are trying to convince their superiors of their companies that this is a good thing to do for them. 
And when you, when I say build your own private cloud, this is not in, in a way to compete with the and Amazons the, well, the of question, the world, right? Yeah, another big question is what was what is a private cloud? And I think there was a lot of question on that from people, and there were differing opinions, but we're, you know, self-service, automation. So everyone's excited about it. So, Beth, what about you? What do you do here? So I'm the market strategist for DevOps. Okay, so what does a market strategist for DevOps do? We're trying to take the DevOps solutions to market. Okay, so what sort of DevOps solutions does NetApp offer that can be brought to market? So DevOps is more of a transformation or a journey for our customers. All I want to know is, can I buy a DevOps? You cannot buy a DevOps. But I want to buy a DevOps. I want to buy a DevOps. Sell me a DevOps. I have money. It's funny that you should say that because that's what we're finding, actually, is that people do want to buy a DevOps. Yes, they do. So People want to get started with DevOps, and we're... Um, and the best way to do that is to figure out where they are currently on their, you know, what they're currently using, what their, where their pain points are, where their challenges are. Um, and one of the biggest areas that we're finding is a great place to get started is with automation. So our, we have over 100 Ansible modules that allow our customers to provision environments in minutes rather than days. Um, and, and what NetApp helps our customers do is is address those challenges around automation, helping them, um, we can use Trident to provision persistent storage volumes, and um, and then use NetApp Kubernetes service to orchestrate the Kubernetes environment. So do I have to pay for the Ansible modules, or are they pretty much out there in the wild and ready to use? Ansible modules are, are free. It's an open source solution. And as well as Trident, Trident is actually the best of both worlds because it is um, completely open source and supported by NetApp. Excellent. And this would be a good way, if I'm not familiar to NetApp, of deploying and provisioning storage, whether it's HCI or even ONTAP, right? Exactly. It's We are agnostic across um, whether you're on-prem or in the cloud, whether you're using Element or ONTAP operating systems. Um, all of these solutions can be leveraged. Cool. So um, roughly, Sean, how long would it take for me to install an HCI solution if I'm leveraging the Ansible modules? Uh, 30 minutes or less. Is that like Domino's promise? Do I, get, do I get a free HCI if, I, if it doesn't happen? Not, not quite, no, no. But uh, I know there's certain steps that teams can take to be prepared and everything. If all the boxes are checked, you should be good to go in 30 minutes or less. Do they still call them, do they still call them pizza boxes? I don't know. They should be, right? Like, I mean, servers were always called pizza boxes, yeah. right? So, I mean, why, these are practically servers. <laughs> All right, Beth, Sean, thanks so much for the thanks, time. Awesome. Appreciate it. Yep. Oh, no, it's now closed. Everybody's clapping because they're happy to go home. There you have it, the NetApp Insight 2019 recap. If you have questions or suggestions for next year, hit us up at podcast at netapp.com. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at NetApp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank everyone that joined us at NetApp Insight 2019. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah.
it's just me that's getting off on this. Oh yeah. Start that over because I forgot to record. <laughs> <laughs> you can show the Twitters. Yeah. Yeah.